Hey Toy Family, welcome to another edition of the Marsham Toy Hour, where we discuss anything and everything designer toys. I'm Gary Ham, And I'm Teresa Hawkins. And Teresa, we're jumping over the pond again today. We are. Yep. We didn't jump over the pond anywhere yesterday. No, not yesterday, but we've gone there in the past. We jumped over the pond to go to the UK and we talked to Dr. Ray and John Paul Kaiser out there. And today we're going to do the same. So um, we're actually, you and I are we're actually um, doing two records in one week because I'm going to take a whole week off next week because I'm going to go out there and visit my brother and his family in Seattle. So, but we didn't want to leave the listeners empty handed. We didn't want to have any uh, laps and weeks and all that. So we're going to do two in one week. And uh, so we're a little early. So leaks and sneak peeks and stuff like that might be a little hindered, but um yeah, so let's just go. We're, today we're going to be joined by our guest. He is a gloriously bearded fellow that also happens to be one of the founders of the Toy Chronicle, which is a premier toy blog within our industry. And they're also the recipients of winning the Designer Toy Award two times now as voted by the fans. So that's pretty awesome. So let's welcome a man of a magnificent name, Gary Rosansky. Hey guys, how's things? Good man, how you doing? I am, I'm good. It's, it's Saturday evening. I have a beer. I have, yeah, it's it's all good. Now, is there a time that you don't have a beer? Uh, probably not. No, I mean, obviously, when I'm <laughs> real working, I I tend to avoid the beers. But uh, any other time, I try and get a nice beer. Yeah. <laughs> well, thanks for joining. I know it's late for you. It's early for me. I just ate lunch, Teresa. It's midday for you. Um, so Gary, the the Toy Chronicle is actually still pretty young. I mean, you guys are only what four years old. I believe you started in two thousand thirteen. Yeah. And already, yeah. uh, by voted by fans, you've already received two designer toy awards for best toy blog. I mean, that's no easy feat. So congrats on that. Yeah, it, it's. I think it's taken us by surprise as well. Like how how big we've got in such a short space of time. I, I, yeah, it's, it's weird, but it's great at the same time. No, it is great, but at the same time, like I, I'm kind of curious as to why you you started blogging because when you started, there's already a bunch of already prominent and very well established toy blogs. So, what made you want to jump into that pool and start, you know, reporting toy news yourself too? Uh, so back in 2013, when I just got back from living in the states, so I'd seen sort of how like New York Comic Con went down and things like that, and. ToyCon UK had just been announced for the following sort of April. We were talking online with uh, with Andy, the other founder of Toy Chronicle, and a few others, and we actually met up at ToyCon really early. We were like the first ones in the uh, the queue, and we were just talking about like how the UK doesn't have any sort of representation uh, in terms of like the blog. Obviously, there's Spanky over in the states. There's, there's like the Urban Vinyl Daily and those guys, and Toys Revel over in uh, Singapore, sort of Asia as well. So. We were like, why don't we set up something and in the UK and sort of try and focus more on the UK artists and uh, give them sort of a platform to to show their their work as well. I mean, it quickly escalated into other sort of areas as well, just because there's so many sort of releases each day. I don't think we could just talk about the UK market. Uh, we have to talk about other releases as well. So uh, yeah, it just kind of grew and grew and. Here we are, four years, well, five, it's almost five years now. Right. Uh, it's just insane. It really, it really is crazy. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting, like you said, to start out just kind of wanting to pay tribute to the UK side of the toy scene, but you said you had to branch out more than that. And originally there was, what, six members, but now you're down to four, correct? Yeah, so there was six founders, and then four quickly disappeared when they realized how much hard work is needed <laughs> yeah. in blogging. 
and Andy and Andy Hung and myself, not Andy Heng, who's a Toys of Evil guy, uh, Andy Hung, <laughs> stuck it out and we just cracked on and just each day tried to get as many posts out as possible. Uh, we've obviously both got full-time jobs as well. Uh, Andy is a chef and I do project management. And yeah, it's just, just hard work, I think, has got to as to where we are now. Uh, there's, a, there's probably other things like we quickly learned how to use social media to its benefit. I think possibly other blogs didn't necessarily use it as well, like Facebook and Instagram, and how they presented themselves on there. And I think we were quick to learn about building engagement on posts. And that's definitely helped drive traffic to, to the Toy Chronicle. Yeah, definitely. You seem very into like the analytics and all that sort of stuff, like trying to, you know, maintain and know what your listener base is and where they're coming from. You seem very in touch with your um, your following. Yeah, uh, definitely. I mean, I use analytics uh, a lot uh, in previous real jobs. And yeah, I, I do use it just to try and beat ourselves. So I'm always looking at how many sort of people are on the site, uh, how many pages they're looking at and try and beat that the next day and keep beating it. And, and over the month, I have like races to, to get to a certain number of page views and then keep track of what day that landed on and then next month it's like let's try and beat that again and uh and that's that's starting to get to the point where it's now looking at sort of millions of pages how quickly can we get to that million page view over the course of several weeks sort of thing several months to get there so it's just always it's, it's sort of a game to to try and improve the toy chronicle and yeah, it's I like that. Well. You guys are always like wanting to improve and kind of challenging yourself, giving yourself daily goals and stuff. That's cool. I think it's really important. So, if you don't mind myself asking, what is the daily average of viewers that you guys get? Uh, we get on average maybe about nine thousand page views a day. Wow, that's a lot. It's not huge in comparison to probably other blogs as well, but I think nine thousand for us is 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 crazy. We had a last October ish time. We just had this huge spike of followers. I don't know what we did, but we did something right. And since then, uh, it just grows and grows. So the aim is to get to 9,000 a day and then see where we go from there. And That uh, sounds a lot to me, dude. I mean, that's a lot of clicks. That's good. That's awesome. Is. Yeah. So, uh, you said blogging is like an extremely time-consuming. You know, we only do this once a week, and you're doing this stuff daily. So – I know it requires a great deal of commitment. You already mentioned some of the original members dropped out pretty quickly once they realized that. So with the current members, does that ever cause any strife if someone doesn't seem to be carrying their weight? Or are you guys just like one of those like the, a tight-knit four-group team where, you know, if someone wants to slack off a little on that week, the other guys step up and vice versa and you just kind of rotate? Yeah, I think so. We've got a pretty tight team now. Uh, we've got Pedro over in Portugal that helps his blog and Chris uh, CZ uh, in yeah. in the UK as well. And yeah, sometimes life gets in the way. It's not it's not always easy. And as long as we're trying to blog every day, it doesn't matter who's doing that. We find that we'll always have time to at least blog at some time throughout the day. And I think with this particular group, we've, we've worked out quite well. There's been previous people that... Uh, we have got rid of uh, that have not sort of pulled their weight, and it's just it's not it's pointless having them uh, sort of yeah in the background not doing anything uh, because there people only do things for certain reasons, and we weren't keen on keeping that sort of within our circle, so we got rid, and I think for the better to be honest. <laughs> 
Yeah, you got you got to go for what's better for the show and for you and for everyone else. You got to keep it a fine tune machine. I imagine it happens all the time with you know friends that think it's good. Hey, let's start a company; it'll be fun, or a podcast, or whatever. And eventually, once you get yeah. rolling, you find out, yeah, it's it's not easy. It's a you know big investment of time and family life and work life and all that stuff happens, especially in the case where you're doing it on the side like we are. And um, you know, in some cases, you you realize who's into it and who's not, yeah. and you got like you got to make those tough choices. You got to have that that awkward conversation. And uh, if you had to part ways with someone, you know, to make the show continue and be as good as it could possibly be, you know, that's what you got to do. It sounds yeah. like you had to do that. And we uh, had that discussion with a couple of co-hosts in the past and it's uh, it's not easy to do, but it sounds like, you know, it was definitely for the betterment of the show. And hopefully everything ended on positive terms and you're still friendly with everybody and, you yeah. know, you keep rolling. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And we have uh, an absolute machine in Andy. He, he can, He's just insane what he does in terms of like the blog, the number of posts he puts out. It's it's yeah. crazy and the yeah. work he puts in. Yeah, Andy really struggles with like spelling and things like that, but that doesn't stop him actually going out and putting out these posts and finding new new artists that haven't had the chance to uh, be shown on blogs before, and and that really helps obviously build up a following too because you're these these artists that we find are then spreading the word about the Toy Chronicle and it brings in new people and yeah. It, Yes. I, I follow all the blogs. I try to jump on all of them daily. I just and that one thing I can say about the Toy Chronicles, you guys very much, you're you're all different. I, 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 there's always stuff that I see on the Toy Chronicle that I haven't seen on other blogs, and and vice versa. But one yeah. thing that I really appreciate that what you guys do is a lot of the times, you know, the artists and stuff will just send in copy, and a blog might just regurgitate that out to the public. But you guys tend to want to give personal input on it or rewrite what they said or you'll change up any marketing promo they do. You guys do a really good job of enhancing what I think artists probably initially share with you. So good job on that. Yeah, that's one thing that we uh, we said from from day one. Let's not be a copy and paste blog. Let's try and put our, our own stamp on it. We might not put our opinions on posts, but people are, I mean, they may be interested in our opinion, but everybody, everybody has a different taste and there's sometimes we've, we've put our own opinion and it's backfired and we kind of almost stay away from that as such now just because of that and try and let other people make their opinion and just put the facts out there put the sort of the important details on the blog and, and let people find the releases and make their own decisions yeah and recently you've been really good about uh, doing some mobile apps to help people mm. be a little more in tune with what's going on. I think you have a mobile app or did you design it or uh, project manage it where you can, it's like a calendar and it kind of lets you know when the toy releases are or what events are. So it's kind of all right there in people's calendars already. They don't have to, and you guys are the one adding all that stuff to the mobile app. Yeah. So that's something that I came up with it, only fairly recently. It's just, I don't know why we didn't think of it before. It was an events page where people can see what's going to be released that day. And then they can also add those releases to their calendar within a couple of clicks. So that it's on their phone then so that they can get reminders uh, when they're due to drop. And I think it's, it's going well so far. It's obviously it's another task to, uh, to complete when we're trying to collect all the information and make sure we get the right times and the right dates for drops. Cause that's never easy. That's one of the hardest parts of, actually blogging is is getting that information because artists as much as we love them are not that great with information right so trying to get that and get it into the blog so people can uh, easily access those drop times and it's just trying to make it easier for the collector as, as much as possible and we've got a couple of cool things coming up in the uh, the pipe where we've got a an actual app for an iphone and android coming up i'm hoping that'll release within the next sort of week when this will drop but uh 
Well, this should drop or air the week of August 21st. So, I mean, do you know the name of it at least so then people can search it? <laughs> I don't know yet. It'll drop on the App Store and, it, okay. well, if Apple accept it and the Android Play Store at some point in around the 19th of August, maybe, if, if all goes to plan. We'll, we'll put all the links on our social media and, okay. and the blog, how to download that. And uh, I think it'd be quite a cool way to, to have the Toy Chronicle on the go for people to get push push notifications when we drop information and try and maybe have a translation in there because we've obviously got global readers uh, yes. to read English. So trying to have maybe a translation tool in there so it makes it easier for different nationalities to read and enjoy the Toy Chronicle. Wow, that sounds fantastic. I like that. So Gary, oh, sorry, bearded Gary. <laughs> for this app, so like the push notification. So, for, well, for one thing, I want to say that I love the calendar idea and I actually... Um, need to go give that a try because I'm constantly going on my phone and creating new like alarms for myself and I'll name them like so-and-so toy drop or so-and-so toy sale or I'll have to put them on my work calendar because I'm trying not to forget to like hop on at like a random time and go buy this thing and so I love that idea so I gotta go give that a try to see what that's like but um for the app so like the push notifications is it gonna be where like say there's a specific artist or toy type that I'm really into and I can kind of filter my push notifications towards that? Or is it just going to be like a push notification that says, hey, there's a new post up, go check it out? I think it'll start as the latter where it'll be a new post, go check it out. But we would love to do it based on like artist or based on like type of release so that people can, they get it straight away. If, they, if they're a fan of the bots, they know that we've just posted a, a post about the new Luna release, for example, and they'll get it straight away. But that's something we're trying to work on, and I don't know how long that'll take to actually implement. But that—that's the the dream. That was what I was really wanting to do uh, with the with the app. But it's just getting the time and the probably the finance to actually put that in place. But yeah, that's that's the hope. Cool. cool. And I, I love that you guys are uh, getting bigger and better. Like you're not just settling with just being a daily blog, or you know, you won the DTAs, and you're just going to keep doing what you're doing. Like you guys are still wanting to improve and enhance and i think that's awesome oh yeah totally yeah i think we've done the the hard well not necessarily we've done the hard work but a lot of hard work has gone into it so now it's just a case of what can we do next what what's going to improve the toy chronicle for for our readers yeah, yeah you, guys, so. you guys aren't afraid to just you know add more work to yourselves i imagine it's hard enough already running a daily blog but then to now run the events calendar and the other stuff and it's uh you know it's, i commend you for wanting to do all that extra stuff yeah, thanks. Uh, I just know how hard it is as a collector sometimes myself, trying to find information. So it's it's good to have, obviously, there's other blogs as well, but it's good to have a, a, a place that you sort of go to regularly and get that information. So Sure. Yeah. For sure. Let's talk about a second for about how bad artists are about sending in information to the blogs. And so I know recently you, you kind of did a really nice post. I think I read it on Facebook about, you know, the prop, you know, what you would expect people would hopefully send in information. Do you want to take a second to like let the artists and, you know, not just artists, but toy companies or anyone who has any sort of news that they want you to share? Like, how would you prefer they reach out to you and what information do you want them to include? Yeah, so we yeah we did a, an open letter to designer toy artists a, a couple of months ago, just because, like I said, it takes up so much time trying to find information uh, on releases that that it'd be nice if artists actually knew what information to to send over to not just us but to other blogs as well uh, yeah. to make it easier for everybody and get 
their work out. I mean, ultimately, it's going to benefit the artist. Uh, it doesn't well, it benefits in, in terms of time, but it's only going to really benefit the artist if more people see their work. So we generally try and get, uh, I think, like the name of the piece that people are selling. That's that's always good to to have that. Cause otherwise we're just making it up and sometimes it's easy sometimes sometimes not so much price the time and date that's that's probably one of the most important pieces of information that we need so that obviously people can know when to hit up their websites how to to purchase the drop would be is is always good information just because some people do it completely different they'll have uh, like an email address or they'll have a store or they'll have maybe I've seen more and more people now do like Facebook comments. So they'll put an image up and people have to comment on that image. And then they send out, they send out an image, uh, an invoice. That's a different way that they're trying to sell. So we need to know that so we can direct the customers in the right way. Uh, images is, is always good. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. <laughs> and emailing uh, and emailing you personally is always good. I know a lot of people kind of just think that they can just tag you in Instagram and you're going to see it that way and you're going to want to like do all the research involved. That so take the you know the extra 5 minutes and email these blogs yourselves. Don't just expect them to find you on Facebook and Instagram and then have them pecking around the internet trying to find all the information. Email the blogs people. Email the blogs and I would if I was an artist, I would find all the blogs. I would find all their email addresses and create a, uh, an, a mailing list and just say it so that you just drop an email to them, uh, to all the blogs. And sometimes you might want to change it up. So, like, I think Josh Mayhem for his uh, solo show at Clutter Tonight, he sent a different image to different blogs. So mm -hmm. spread out and, and Kid Robot did that as well for the uh, the Arcane Divination series, so we all got a different artist to to feature, and that works as well. But yes, when we get tags on Facebook and Instagram, we get, we get so many notifications that we miss a lot of information. Uh, like Instagram's just crazy. Uh, we've got twenty, almost twenty six thousand people that sort of like and follow on Instagram, and we're getting so many likes, and you only can see maybe I think it's like three hundred or something. Yeah, and yeah. you miss out on so much so much going on that it's just easier if artists uh spend the time just to drop us an email with this information and yeah that's be very much appreciated yeah well i got a question so talking about social being kind of crazy and notifications so like a lot of times i think i might comment on like one of your all's toy chronicle posts through your instagram feed is that still like the best way to do it or should I be like trying to DM you guys or would that just annoy the crap out of you for me to be <laughs> bothering no. you all for more info? Uh, no, not all. I mean, a lot of people do ask, do ask questions and we, we do try to get to them. That's not a problem uh, with DMing us or uh, commenting on, on pictures and we try and we do try and see everything, but obviously sometimes things do get missed. But between, between Andy and myself, we, we try and comment back if we can at some point in the day. No, you all are great about that. I've, I've always loved the Toy Chronicle because, well, like I used to be, I don't know, I, got, I go through waves, right, where I can be really in tune with the toy world and kind of stay up pretty in tune with the artists I follow pretty closely and what's going on. And other times, like work get really busy, right? And like I even yeah. look at Instagram all day and I'm like, God knows what I've missed, right? And so it's always great to have a place that can kind of catch those things for you. So, yeah, kudos to you all for helping me out when... <laughs> No, thank you. Yeah. Yeah. thank you. Thank you. Thank you for reading. Thank you for supporting. And it's it's always appreciated. It really, it really is. 
Now, blogging is is kind of a thankless job, right? So you said you have like twenty thousand plus, you know, watchers or followers on Instagram. You got nine thousand daily clicks. But when you when you post on Instagram and such, it's yeah, you have like twenty three thousand followers, but you only might get like four likes, and very rarely do you ever get a comment. So does that ever um, get you down? You know, because you've you've won the awards. Obviously, that the the community really likes you guys. But on a doing this on a daily basis, I know that can kind of grind on you a bit. Not getting the maybe the community feedback that sometimes you would hope for. Yeah, I mean, sometimes it it can be, but uh, we we might not always get people thanking us, but we get people sharing and and commenting and liking. That's that's thanks because. It makes such a difference to the way Facebook and where Instagram works. If we can get more engagement, which we do, we get we get a, a great uh, engagement level compared to our the number of likes that we have on Facebook mm-hmm. compared to other blogs. That's the great thing about Facebook. It, again, going back to like analytics, we can see how other people are doing, and like our engagements is crazy compared to to other blogs. And they're obviously still doing a great job, but I think we do something different in terms of connecting with people we try always to when we're writing statuses we would would be daft with the way that we write things and maybe we'll put a rude joke in there or some yeah, sort of yeah and i think that's great just to you oh sorry you know how to engage with the audience and i think that's great and um i think that's something that i failed on with the podcast a little bit like there hasn't been much engagement at all it's like we and mm. you you can look at um page views at least and you know there is a following, and but with the podcasting, downloads are not accurate, and the analytics are not accurate, and it's really hard to gauge, you know, if there are listeners, and you know, unfortunately, the Instagram, there's really not much feedback, and and that's what I was primarily doing, yeah. you know, our promotion was Instagram, and occasionally on my personal Facebook page, and you know, and I, I, you know, people aren't going to listen to an hour and a half podcast, and then, you know, backtrack and find the thread just to leave a comment, and you know. So what we did was we started a uh, a group on Facebook. It's called the Marsham Stomping Ground, and and um, already I sort of noticed a little more community, a little more uh, engagement has been happening, a little more carryover discussion of what we talked about in the podcast. We've been doing daily questions and and polls and stuff like that, and and already I sort of feel that there's been a little more engagement, you know, since we started that up. Yeah, I was going to say about that actually. Uh, in terms of the with Facebook, you can have a group or you can have a page. Was there a, a decision to go with the group rather than a page? Because when I want to try and tag Marsham Toy Hour, I can't do that because it's a group. Yeah. So it's difficult to sometimes tag people that have groups. Yeah. And then people have got to sort of request access as well to the group, whereas with a page, you can just like it and and get on with your day kind of thing. Uh, yeah. Um, I mean, to be honest with you, I didn't probably put enough time into researching what the difference between a, a fan page and a group was. I knew that I didn't want to go like the fan route. We're a fan. I, you know, push the like button and I wanted to be, feel a little more community like, and I, I know that the downside of the group is that you have to essentially join it and be accepted. It's like, it's not just pushing a button and you're a like button and you're accepted. It's, you know, you submit it to me. I promise you, anyone who wants to join it, you know, you push the join and we're going to accept it. It's, yeah. it's not you know, yeah, yeah. exclusive. Yeah. It's just the way the group is set up. And I just felt like group was a little more community based. But do you think that maybe we should have gone page instead? I'm betting he's going to say page because that's what they have. Yes. I'm yeah, I think a page is probably better. But I mean, you use it as you as you need to really. So it may it may work quite well as a, a group. There's obviously people, you, you can already see that there's engagement on your posts. People are talking, people are asking questions, people are 
are doing what you ask of them. So that's that's good even as a sort of in your infancy as a as a Facebook group, then that's good too. I tell you what, I, I got to make the questions a little easier. I'm going to dumb these things down. It's going to be like shorts or slacks. <laughs> P- people don't like toilet the hard paper, questions. Toilet paper up or toilet paper down. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Towards the wall or towards the front. Yeah. And there's only one appropriate answer over the top. If you go any other way, then we cannot be friends. Right. Yeah. I, I put some in just the one week we've been open. It's uh, I've. I try to keep it, you know, light question than a hard question. But, you know, the hard questions is stuff that you can play with your friends outside of the public. And yeah. you can have fun with that. But I think in a public forum, especially the last question I did, you know, pick five people that you would want to be sitting at your wedding reception table. I guess, you know, people are just afraid to answer that question. They don't want to alienate anyone. It's, and plus, there's a lot of time and effort and thought you got to put into that kind of question. So I'll probably make things a little simpler and not as tough to answer. I think you still got quite a lot of answers there, if I remember. Uh, I remember answering late last night, drunk. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yours are pretty funny, but yeah, there was a decent response. But I don't know, maybe stuff like that's a little too challenging because I think people want to like give like the PR type answers. They don't yeah. want to, you know, potentially ruffle any feathers and it becomes like a soap opera down the line. <laughs> so I understand that. So um, I'll keep the questions a little less challenging in the future. And speaking of challenging, let's get back to talking about, you know, your blog and everything. What are some of the challenges that maybe you run into running uh, the Toy Chronicle? Like, what is blogging life life and what are the challenges? Oh, yesterday, uh, when we have server issues and we can't do anything about it. So when people are trying to get on the website and the server's down and we have to try and get in contact with, like, the, the hosting company and, like what the hell is going on and they're like oh one of our clouds are down now like, oh, seriously we're losing we're losing traffic uh that's that's one of the frustrations that we have and then obviously as i mentioned about trying to find information out that's that's probably the the number one issue that we have uh mm-hmm. behind the scenes uh the rest is all pretty fun so i don't think we have that many issues really maybe when we do get information and it's sort of at last minute and we're trying to get the always or maybe like a company or drop like castle uh cost toys will drop a announcement and it's it's a race to try and get that information out first because if you get the information first you can get the most page views because people you can add it to sort of facebook groups and it'll drive traffic quite quickly so it's a case of trying to not just beat other blogs but try and beat other other sort of fans posting that information mm-hmm. onto sort of Facebook groups because if it, it does make a difference of uh, thousands of page views if we can get in there first. So it's just uh, trying to find that now, time. Is, do you feel that there's competitiveness between the other toy blogs? Like, is, do you have any rivalries? Do you feel like, like you mentioned, you kind of want to get to the punch first, but with you guys being in the UK and most of the other toy blogs being in the US, do you yeah. like especially well and then toys are evil out there in singapore you know there's a lot of toy blogs but yeah. um the different time frames do you ever feel like a lot of the news comes out of the u.s and then uh so maybe you don't have the edge on that if something an artist decides to release something at 5 p.m that's you're sleeping then it's so you know but then you probably have the edge for a lot of the asian countries and stuff like that so yeah exactly yeah i mean uh andy and i both rarely sleep that often so we do stay up far too late and when piece of information come out we we do blog late as well so we kind of have best of both worlds we can capture a lot of the u.s stuff that comes out later in the day in in the states and then we get uh, the asian market as well when they wake up and they're sort of post information so i think that's 
something that we do quite well in terms of keeping in touch with both sides of the world and as a, as a central point in the UK. Mm-hmm. And then with rivals, <laughs> uh, I don't, I mean, I don't know, maybe. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I I don't know. I, I, I follow social media. It seems like there might be a rivalry, but I know it's no one wants there to be. We're all trying to help build this community and yeah. and everything. So there, there really shouldn't be. I, I like the idea of rivals, though. I think that, you know, adds a level of, uh, it keeps you competitive. It keeps you wanting to be better and do more. So, you know, in, course, in, yeah. you know, in sports, rivalries are important. And I think in the blog world, I love the idea of there being, you know, rivals. None of us are ever going to choose sides because we all want our, our toy news. So we're still going to follow you, all of you. But I like the playfulness and the competitiveness of thinking that there's a rivalry. Yeah, I mean, there's a rival to get that news out first. That's that's for sure. Uh, and I think we were the sort of the underdog coming out swinging in uh, sort of 2013. And when these blogs were already very well established and they were the names that people went to and maybe us sort of stepping into their yard, <laughs> uh, probably... Uh, Stepped on a few nerves, kind of thing, and and then obviously winning the uh, the best blog twice. Yeah. When when certain blogs have a a, a stronghold on the uh, the award situation, I think that 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 probably does uh, cause some some rivalry. I mean, I I love all the blogs. I mean, I I really do. They I know the hard work that goes into it. So I, I'm like you. I love the the sort of rivalryness of uh blogs but and some people like toys are evil just get on with it they they don't give it a shit what what uh what we're doing uh we don't have any issues uh on on that side but yeah it's it's all fun we all love each other really yeah i mean we're all in it for the same reasons so there's no yeah, reason to yeah exactly we're all we're all here to make a better sort of world for designer toys and get that get news out and help artists sell their work and make a difference yeah yeah, I mean, you, and you definitely—that's that's exactly what we all want, right? But for some reason, yeah. a part of a part of me wants to have that fun rivalry, right? yeah, yeah. something you know, to just a little entertainment. You, you are you from? Well, you're in the UK, and you might not be familiar with the talk show um, Jimmy Kimmel, <clears throat> where he has a battle with a, a friend, and I can't think of the actor's name. Matt Damon. Uh, yes, exactly. Yeah, Matt Damon. So oh. him and Matt Damon have this huge rivalry. I mean, they just pretend like they hate each other, and they do it so well that you actually can't tell if they really hate each other or not. But I, I, I know they're both jokesters, so they definitely don't. But in public, they pretend like they totally hate each other. It's done really well, and it's great. And I would come sort of love to see that in, I don't know, with between two artists or two blogs or, or you know, what have you. I think it would be a lot of fun to see. But this, this is just me, just wanting entertainment. Just get my popcorn. Yeah, almost. Uh, as long as we don't get like, to the Red Sox-Yankee sort of stage of hate, then it's, it's fine. <laughs> no, no, that's what I mean. You have to have uh, a sense of humor and a playfulness about it. But I understand this this toy scene is is. It's quite fickle. It's quite sensitive. So I, I don't know how far that would go, uh, especially yeah. with it being so much written word. It's something that we can do, like even through the podcast. You guys can kind of read my voice and know where I'm being joking and sarcastic. But unfortunately, I've had friendships ruined because um, I'm very sarcastic and jokey in the written mm. word. And uh, so, yeah, so maybe this sort of banter and stuff just doesn't come across on social media. Yeah, it's, it's difficult. Uh sometimes to to get that across i I know like andy sometimes struggles because like i mentioned about the way he sort of writes and things and he does such a great job but sometimes he'll think things and then write it as he thinks it Mm -hmm. and i read it sometimes like 
that's that's close to the bone that is uh but it's it's all good it's what it's what makes it's what makes andy andy and uh i think people appreciate that that he's he's quite honest and open and it works he is uh i mean he's got people's backs up sometimes but yeah yeah it happens I, I, yeah, I mean, it's it's totally tricky, and I totally get where he's coming from. I, I know I've said some things on this podcast that was very, very yeah. much, you know, way misinterpreted than what I actually said. And it was misinterpreted by people that never didn't even hear the show. I guess someone else related to them. Yeah. And, and like, no, just listen to the show. It's not how it was intended, and you got a little snippet. And uh, it was totally, yeah. you know, totally wrong. So it happens, and I, I totally get it. And it's also one of those things doing a podcast, too. It's like I feel like we should talk about the things that – people are thinking, but not necessarily talking about. I mean, you want to have the, the, the discussion, and, and and that's not easy either because people then think that you're being negative and instigating something. It's like, no, we're not. We're just trying to have that discussion. Yeah, of course. And, yeah, totally. you, know, and, yeah. you know, we're trying to be positive and build a community. Well, and along those lines, Bearded Gary, is it a struggle for you to be like write an article about a toy that you personally aren't feeling? Because I feel like, it's very clear my aesthetic and what appeals to me, right? Like I have a very <laughs> specific taste. So Super cute. I would probably have a very hard time writing a blog about this piece that I look at and I'm like, that looks like rotting flesh me and it looks disgusting. Like I don't want that in my collection, but I know there's probably people that appeals to. So do you all ever, like, do you ever personally struggle with, with doing oh, yeah. that or kind of gotten oh, to a point where. Yeah. And that's, that's, that's why sometimes it's best to, to keep those opinions to ourselves and let other people sort of make their decision. Uh, Cause we know everybody has such different tastes that uh, we try. If I, if I see a piece that I need to write about and I'm not overly keen, I'll just try and get the, the main information out there so other people can find it. And if they like it, that's they can, they can love it all the like. I don't need to, I don't need to like every single piece that comes through uh, the toy chronicle. I don't have enough space in my collection for everything. So yeah, if only like, you did, right? If only I could just fill my house to the brim with every single toy. I already kind of tried to do that, so. <laughs> I try. Uh, I've got so much stuff in storage now. Uh, I've just run out of space. But yeah, so I've just got things in storage that I don't even remember and in boxes. That... Well, I was just going to ask a couple things. So we were talking about like trying to get the news out there quickly. And I've been yeah. trying to figure out for the Toy Chronicle, I don't know if you all like, put on the website and then like push out the social all at once. So like a post on Facebook and a post on Instagram get posted at the same time or what, is there like a recommendation for like how to best follow you all to make sure that you're seeing the post quickest? Cause like, I think mostly for me, Instagram's kind of my main social media. So I just kind of look to follow you there. But again, Instagram kind of makes it a little hard where you kind of oh, have to actually so. go to you all to find stuff. Is that like, is there like a recommendation of how to best kind of stay on top of that? I think uh, our main source and our sort of number one uh, social media is, is Facebook uh, at, at the Toy Chronicle, just because that's what drives the most traffic. Instagram is terrible for driving traffic, just because you can't you can't really link away from Instagram unless you're uh, you have certain privileges as a in, in like the story mode, you know, when you put the like videos and things, you can you can link away if, if you have the correct settings. But Facebook is probably the number one. If they go there, and that'll be where we post first, and then we go to Twitter. But we don't really use Twitter as much just because I don't, actually I don't know why we don't use Twitter as, as much as we do Facebook. But Facebook seems to be the easiest to use and 
easiest to manage. And then Instagram comes later on. Will it's more about just the images and sort of making it look nice on Instagram. And that maybe comes a couple of hours later uh, when. And that's again, Andy is a machine. He'll he'll go through and uh, he's probably sat on the toilet just like scrolling and adding images uh, <laughs> while he's yeah. So, uh, but Facebook is just easier for us to to get that to get that information out. Nice. All right, well then I'm gonna have to make sure I'm following you all closer on Facebook. <laughs> yep. Yes. Yeah. Now speaking of following, and this is a nice little segue into our sponsors. Uh, we have some great sponsors here at the Marsham Toy Hour, and you should be sure to follow them. Uh, actually, one of them right now, the Toy Chronicle, great sponsor for all your d- daily designer toy news. Follow the ToyChronicle.com, and there's also another great toy blog, SpankyStokes.com. And for all your designer toy needs and desires and you want to purchase something right now, well, be sure to head on over to strangecattoys.com and use promo code MARSHAM at checkout to receive 10% off your order. And if you want a brick-and-mortar location, well, there's also 3D Retro and 3DRetro.com. So 3D Retro is a beautiful brick-and-mortar location out there in Southern California. And uh, I hear it's awesome and definitely a place that you need to see one day. And we also have PrinceOnWood.com. If you're an artist or a photographer and you've ever wanted to have your artwork printed on beautiful stainless wood, then there's your people, PrinceOnWood.com. Now, as far as managing information, it's like, how often do you pretty much blog about all the information that people you know send to you, or are you being a little more selective about what you share on your blog? Uh, no, I think we post... Anything that's emailed to us, we generally do post. I think there's been a few in the last sort of four years or so that uh, that we may have replied back and said, "Look, it, it's not it's not the right thing for the Toy Chronicle." Uh, whether that's just people will search for toy blogs and they'll mm-hmm. send us things that are, uh, that are not designer toys. Uh, so we we do generally post everything that comes through. It might take us a while to get through it, but we generally do. Okay. Do you still um, get out there and find your own bits and pieces of fun stuff that someone hasn't emailed you and post those oh, as well? Oh, yes. Uh, 90% of what we post is probably our own findings. And that's something that Andy does really well. He, he'll he be able to find uh, information on like Asian sort of artists, really. I don't know how he does it sometimes, but it's, he does a good job of that, I think. Oh. Yeah. Do you have a desire for us? crazy collectors aka people like me to like if we see something weird and random to tag you in it (laughs) or is that just kind of as we were talking earlier kind of difficult because you get so many freaking notifications you may miss it like is there would you rather me like grab it and email it to you all real quick and be like hey this is cool you should mention this or something like that like do you have a recommendation oh Oh, totally yeah if people take like screenshots and email it to us that would be the that would be the bomb that really would uh make things so much easier because we we only can follow so many people and instagram is so like we find most of our pieces on instagram anyway but trying to to get through instagram and their different algorithms to see see all these artists we do miss out on things so yeah people sort of emailing us would be would be appreciated very much so now the toys that you guys reveal, do mm. you are those from your own personal collection that you paid for, or do sometimes artists and companies uh, send stuff in to be reviewed? Uh, they do not as often as people would think. We have a good we have a good working relationship with Kid Robot, uh, so they send us they send us a box of stuff every now and again. Other other production companies will send us things. 
but most of the things that we'll like uh, review in person or do like a Facebook live uh, stream are things we've bought ourselves uh, through like Kickstarter or through like the Artist Direct uh, just to try and support them as much as possible because it's money at the end of the day for them. So yeah, we try and support them that way. Okay. What's the weirdest thing you guys have ever received? The weirdest thing. Uh, like what made you laugh the hardest, do you think? I'm just looking at my collection now to see if I can see anything that I thought was particularly... Or it could just be, what's the strangest or funniest post like someone ever sent to you thinking that they can get you guys to post it? I'm sure there's times where you open up your email and you just crack up. Uh, there's, there's, there's probably quite a few like bootleg stuff that gets sent to us in oh, email. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, those are good. Uh, there's a, yeah, there's just crazy things that people sort of come up with they're just insane there was the the one that was at san diego the r2 putu or something that was R2 the <laughs> yeah. well i can't think of anything else i've been sent that's really weird i don't think i have we've not been sent weird things which is which is good to know <laughs> so mr gary ham and i we need to Put together some goofy package and send it to uh, TTC. Hell yeah! Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> we always receive the packages. So you guys have this hashtag cough. <laughs> I I can I can't say that I'm really well versed like in what that is, it, but you guys use it a lot. Can you, you yeah. care to elaborate on what that is? Yeah, I think I think so. I mean, it's it's all a bit of fun. I think. Uh, We've kind of touched on two of the topics already in this, this sort of call that we've gone through uh, about certain people and uh, rivalries. So we posted something, uh, when was it? Early this year. And it included like a, a list of artists that was going to be at ToyCon. Oh, okay. And then at the end, Andy, in his uh, the way that he writes, he finished the, the list by going and cough the Toy Chronicle. As in, like, <clears throat> us as well kind of thing. Oh, okay. uh, and then somebody came along that once blogged for the Toy Chronicle, but we got rid of, uh, and he went to a different toy blog. Uh, he decided to copy our text, which isn't a problem. Sure. That's, I mean, it happens. It's, it's who wants to type out a long list of 100 artists. It's boring. Nobody wants to do it. So he came along and copied the text. Okay. But then... He removed the Toy Chronicle from the list, okay. But left, but left Cough in there. So it's like, come on, it's obvious you've copied the list. If you're gonna be, if you're gonna be like this, at least leave us in it. That's, I mean, we're gonna be there as well. It's, it's only right. Uh-huh. Uh, so it left Cough being in the list, and it looked like Cough was an artist. So we then took. Oh, gotcha. Okay. Does that make sense? So it made it look as Cough was one of the artists going to ToyCon, right. and we then decided, well, Cough's our sort of like secret, <laughs> our secret gang now, uh, and it's it's silly. It's one of those things. So it's sort of being like antagonistic a little bit, kind of inst- yeah. like poking fun at it. It's kind of funny to think that yeah, maybe someone should start up the artist named Cough because of that. Well, we're actually keeping that as ourselves. So we've got uh, we've got some pin designs coming out. Like everybody loves it. <laughs> Uh, I've just been spending some time doing like a secret TTC gang pin that I'm going to try and get out in the next week or so. And okay, okay, just... I, I get it now. I, it's a good, playful. I mean, it's a good inside joke. Yeah, and uh, 
No, I think, well, you're definitely antagonizing the uh, the other block for sure. But and I think it's in a fun, playful way, like going back to that rivalry sort of thing. I, it, I think it's pretty fun. Yeah, it is. It's just, uh, it's, if you know, you know kind of thing. It's uh, People won't get it. People will see these pins and be like, yeah, don't, don't understand. But people that know about the situation, they'll hopefully wear the pin and they'll be like, yeah. Okay. So, yeah, join the costume. Okay. Yeah. All right, thanks for clearing that up because I've been seeing that everywhere. I saw it at the Designer Toy Awards. You have it in yep. a lot of your like you know Instagram and Facebook posts, and I didn't you know I wasn't I had an inkling of what it was, but I wasn't fully sure the whole story. So I wanted to hear it from from straight from you, straight from the horse's mouth. Yes. That's right. Yep. Okay. <laughs> so Ham Gary, want to switch up to some some fun discussion, non blog stuff? Yeah, let's do it. So, Beardy Gary, well, we're gonna, I'm going to start with the hardest-hitting question yet. Oh, Go for it. <laughs> Will you ever shave the beard? <laughs> nope. <laughs> I, I mean, beard I have... Forever and always? I, the beard stays. I think uh, I have pictures of me without a beard, and it's it's not pretty. It's Have, it's have not, you ever shared those? Uh, it's, it's out there somewhere. Uh, <laughs> let me... Uh, we like people... we like a good challenge. You up for it, Teresa? Yeah. Let me see. <laughs> I'll send it to you guys. Uh, obviously, people on the the listening won't be able to won't be able to see it. But well, until I put it in our weekly promotional image. Oh. <laughs> Can oh, I? Maybe I should. No, I, I won't. I won't do that to you. Uh, maybe you should. How long have you had the beard? I think the last time I was clean shaven was this picture uh, that I'm going to send you. That was. <clears throat> 2011 i had a, okay. a work a real job work event and i was like presented an award and my boss was quite clear that i had to be clean shaven which oh, unfortunately no. so that sucked so it, it, I, I just shaved everything off i was shaven i, I mean I, I gave into the boldness a long time ago now do you have kids or uh, are, you, are you married at all uh no i have i have one cat bella he's okay. my, my baby okay. uh we my don't baby. have my baby. Uh, we don't have kids. I've been in a long-term relationship with Gemma uh, over twelve years now. Yeah, twelve years. It was twelve years this July. Okay. So uh, she's yeah, she's seen you without the beard. I was gonna, what I was trying to get to is there's some great YouTube videos out there of obviously dads or husbands or spouses that have had beards their entire life being with this you know this family, and then you'll see yeah. it where the dad just one morning shaves it off. And they'll record the children's reaction to seeing dad without a beard for the first time. And they are absolutely hilarious to watch. Yeah, I think I think Gemma would like me to shave it or at least trim it. Uh, I, I did at one point keep it in sort of check. Uh, but then I was just like, yeah, fuck it. I'm just going to keep on growing it and just see what happens. And it's kind of got to ZZ Top sort of level of beard. And <laughs> it's quite I kind of love it. It's, it's glorious. Just, it's, it's glorious. It's, yeah, I just. I just saw the picture come through, and you do look so different without it. It's crazy. Yeah. I'm the one wearing the pink shirt, by the way, just to make it clear. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I got you. Yeah. I well, think it... I'm just going to say, you having a cat, you can't be mad. But if you listen to uh, the recording with Serious Silly K, I kind of ripped on cats a teeny bit. But only because I'm crazy allergic. So. Oh, okay. Yeah, I, I'd let you off on that. Uh, so don't hate me <laughs> no it's fine uh now, yeah so you, sorry, go 
Oh, you're saying you get to travel around a lot. For being in the UK, you've come to quite uh, a few of the, the you know, the stateside conventions, and I think you've done a couple. Have you gone to a couple of the Asia conventions as well? Yeah, that's. I was going to say actually, that's one thing that I think we do well uh, in terms of the blog is that we get out there. So I'm more of a stateside sort of reporter. So I'll go to like Decon, I'll go to New York Comic Con. Uh, Five Points was amazing uh, yep. in May. That was just a a huge hit. Uh, I've still not done San Diego, but I, I don't think that's really something that I, doesn't interest me uh, more than sort of like Five Points or for Decon. Mm-hmm. And then Andy, he loves going over to like Asia and seeing family and stuff. So he does uh, like the Thailand Toycon. He's going to Singapore with John Paul Kaiser this month, next month. So yeah. he's going over there again. So we do cover a lot of a lot of ground in design and toy world. So I think that helps us getting out and meeting artists. Uh, getting drunk with people and sort of just having a fun time and getting our name out then I think it really helps build that sort of relationship up with people yeah you definitely like to have fun you know how to party yes and uh let me I'm just gonna open another beer by the way. <laughs> okay we'll, we'll wait for you <laughs> there we go do you ever go. see yourself on the producer end or you just want to stay as a blogger oh I would love to I would love to do like production stuff but it's just finding the time and money to do it. I mean, it's not cheap. Uh, I'm quite envious of uh, Urban Vinyl Daily, what they've done with the bots and Luna. I mean, mm-hmm. I love Luna. It's it's such a great sort of uh, platform. Yeah. And it, it's just, it's great to sort of see. And it's good for like the Travis and those guys at Urban Vinyl Daily to actually go ahead and do that. And they pick the they pick the right artist. And by all accounts, Luna's having a, uh, a successful sort of, when they do different releases, they've been successful. So that's, great to see but yeah i'd love to do something it's definitely something we'd love to do it really is what are your thoughts on crowdfunding are you pro for it or is it something you're not really into i'm 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 pro for the uh the crowdfunding it doesn't always work i mean i've seen we've seen a couple of things unfortunately didn't work the the i break toys didn't get funded recently sure quite sad because i thought that would that would have worked the kyle Kerwin plush didn't go through but in i see people doing it for like pins i'm like nah pins it's two hundred dollars just pay that out your own pocket it's you don't need a crowdfunder to do that if you're gonna do anything just put it on pre-order or something you don't need to go down the crowdfunding source but yeah uh, i kind of tend to agree on that one speaking of pins i mean pins have kind of become this sort of thing that for a while at first i thought oh it's just this kind of random thing but now it kind of seems to be permanent quite a bit what do you think bearded gary is this like a little fad kind of like stickers or what have you and just kind of come in and people we into for a bit or you think it's going to be around for a while i think it'll be around for a while i think people need to need to really embrace it because it's a great source of income for artists it's not a huge amount to invest to get your pin designed there's enough like made by cooper is one of our sort of site sponsors and they do they do amazing pins we've the two pins that we've designed the ttc pins uh have gone through those guys and they're a relatively good price and even if you were selling a pin at sort of five five dollars or five pounds you're still making enough money to invest into the next sort of job so they're easy for people to make and they are cheap enough for people to buy as well so if you have pins at like conventions you probably sell a lot of those because people have got that sort of pocket money sort of change to to drop sort of five ten dollars on a pin they might not have the money to spend sixty sixty dollars on a uh, a piece but as long as they're going away with something of yours uh i think it's, it's great for for artists so yeah the more the merrier uh we're seeing more people put those pins out and i think it, it's, it's only a good thing 
Yeah, more than ever in, uh, in the designer toy world, we're seeing more and more licensed crossovers with the designer toy world. Do you think there's too much or is there a good balance or what's your view on that? Uh, the licensing stuff, it works in some sense. I think a lot of what like Mighty Jacks and Jason Freeney are doing with the, uh, the XX Ray stuff is perfect. Like the Looney Tunes stuff, I absolutely, <clears throat> absolutely love. I'm not keen on the, the, the new Kid Robot Batman series that they've dropped, the Dunnies. I mean, I understand how licensing, it works. It's, it's almost to get those sort of new customers in to buy a licensed product and then hopefully get them sort of hooked on to other designer toy stuff. But yeah, the, that new Batman series just doesn't do anything for me. I just don't like that they touched the Dunny. I really wish, I don't mind that they're doing it. I just wish they did some other platform and left the Dunny to be for the artists. I just, something about using the Dunny for now licensing, it just doesn't feel right to me. And I didn't necessarily really like the additional, the new head sculpts they did for him. But yeah. I, I understand why they're doing it. And again, I think I mentioned it on the last episode was Seriously Silly. I don't think these Batman dunnies, they're not geared or marketed towards the designer toy collectors. These are stuff for the yeah. comic shops and the Barnes and & Nobles and the more mainstream market. And maybe those people that are seeing that stuff in Barnes & Noble, they'll take a little notice of Kid Robot and wonder what else they're doing. And then they'll start buying their more designer toy stuff. Yeah, definitely. And when I think back to when I first started collecting and opening sort of like blind box kid robot boxes and getting hooked, just having really quality Dunny series is, is probably enough to get the random customer in, interested. Like the, the last two series that they've dropped, the DTA Dunny series and the Arcane Divination, Divination? Yeah, Divination series have just been on point. And those are the things that will get people hooked into kid robot more than I think like this Batman series will. I was just going to say, you know, you, you mentioning like the, the different stores is maybe Target at Gary. I mean, it kind of makes sense because literally that's how I got into it was finding a blind box in Barnes and Noble. <laughs> so yeah. now granted it wasn't a licensed Batman thing. It was a plush donut, which is very telling for yeah. <laughs> the stuff I liked. But I guess my only hope for it is it's not to my personal taste, but hey, if it can bring more people in and get some artists some more visibility and grow the scene, I'm all for it. I, I get licensed stuff has a place. I just, when I look at like Kid Robot, for example, I'm kind of feeling like they're going a lot more licensed and I'm seeing less of the artist-based stuff. And I'm hoping it doesn't become where like, it's almost like an 80-20 split where they just become more and more and more licensed focused. I hope they maintain a good balance there. So I don't know. I just worry about that, like losing the artist piece of the designer tour world, at least yeah. from a production standpoint. But I get it. I mean, I get I get why they do it. Yeah, I think with like the new sort of five inch dun- five inch dunnies the that the bring out. I think that's I don't know how successful the, the five inch has been, but I do think it I love it personally. I think there's the ones that they've released so far have, have been great and it, it adds a new level to the dunny collection. They've obviously put a lot of money into JY Roo and the DTA yep. series. That's quite clear in the way that they've come out and it's just been a fantastic two series. I don't know what's in the pipework in terms of new new series. Actually, maybe I do. The bots, they've got the series coming out. Mm-hmm. That's, yeah, that's the Halloween one. That looks like it's going to be great as well. But yeah, I mean, hopefully there'll be more sort of artist series and individual five-inch dunnies and then have the licensed stuff on the, the sort of like side burner to, to fund all these different artist series that we love. Yeah. Well, and, you know, speaking of the the, like the, the introduction of the five-inch dunny, like one thing that I've kind of noticed become more of a trend 
is like it seems like what the new approach is is um, for like the artist dunny series is they come out with the case of the three inch dunnies and then they seem to at least have um, a five inch or an eight inch that kind of accompanies it and I think that's kind of a cool approach like the is idea of... I haven't noticed I that. mean it's like so the clairvoyant with the uh... yeah like like the arcane divination series and they made the all the different clairvoyant eight inch that's, that accompanies and relates to that series like for the Feral series with Vassell, they made the two eight-inch goat dunnies to go with. Okay, yeah, but those are both kind of like the, you would probably call them kid robot artists. Like I, with the uh, design, the DTA dunny series, I don't think. Yeah, they're doing the Mab Graves, the eight-inch. So okay, so they're not using an artist or just, in and conjunction then they're doing with. Like okay, the, gotcha. Like the odd ones, they're getting ready to do. Is it one of Scott's other characters as a larger one? I don't know if it's a five or eight, but it seems like that. At least for me, I'm seeing that as like a. Okay, a no, sort of, I'm starting. I'm starting to see it now. Yeah, I just, I just, I don't know. I just, I, mean, I missed it. Yeah. It's not necessarily that they're taking one of the pieces and making it bigger. Um, not necessarily, but like it's a related piece with that set. It's like almost building kind of a, a collection with the three inch series. You get some larger pieces to go with it. I don't know. It, it looked like a trend to me. I don't know if, if, if you all agree, but I don't know. I think it's a cool idea. The idea of creating multiple dunny sizes that kind of relate as a group. Mm-hmm. No, I like it. I, I, I'm processing it still. I didn't really, uh, for some reason, I was blind to it. But no, no, you're right. No, I like it. You like it, Bearded Gary? I do like it too. I mean, I, I'm in love with the uh, clairvoyant. That's. One of my favorite pieces of all time, I think. The, the sculpt on that is just insane. Uh, I'm happy with the multiple colorways. I'm happy that it ties in with the uh, Arkin Divination series as well. Uh, yeah, it's, it's all good. What about yeah. this new, the next Blank contest that the Martian Toys is currently hosting? It ends in October. Do you think we're going to see the next great Blank from this contest? Do you think we need another great Blank? Uh, yeah, it's always fun to have a different, different platform for people to use. The last contest they ran was the trip to ToyCon, which was mm-hmm. the year uh, RX7 one. Yep. And that created a beautiful relationship between the Toy Chronicle and RX. So I think, yeah, Mash and Toys are pretty nailed on with things. So I'm hoping that will uh, generate something something new and uh, interesting for people to go out and customize and collect. And we'll see. Yeah, hopefully. I, I hope so. I, I'm afraid that they're going to be, most of the submissions are going to be cool objects but not necessarily make a great blank so uh i'm really anxious to see what actually wins the contest yeah me too i'll be keeping an eye on it that's for sure and i wouldn't be surprised if martian toys decides to produce something that was submitted but not actually you know let it win the contest but they might actually like it design enough to then take it outside of being the contest and then produce it as a painted toy or something like that so yeah that's always could happen too they had uh, they had great success with uh, the Jason Lehman. Oh, uh, amazing success! Yeah, the cone. What was it? The ice cone. The, the snow uh, cone. Abominable uh, snow cone. Yes, and even oh, it won the DTA as well. So it, that was that was great uh, to see those guys actually get rewarded for that. Mm-hmm, totally. You know, we completely skip leaks and sneak peeks. Should we skip it this yeah, week, or do you want to do a little quick run through it? I literally almost mentioned that. Uh, it came into my, I was like, you know, you just jump right in. You just like didn't I even did. follow her. <laughs> I was anxious to talk to Gary. I just kind of like, well, screw, <laughs> screw leaks. I mean, we, we can. Yeah, let's just, do a, let's just do a quick run through. I know we were a week early, so 
Uh, I know I picked a couple things that probably aren't really pertinent to uh, the week this airs. So, you know, do you guys have anything prepared that's not going to be week pertinent? Uh... <laughs> All right, Gary, we'll, we'll let you think on that one a bit. Uh, Teresa, why don't you go first? Oh, shoot. Hold on. I need my notes. Oh, come on, Teresa. <laughs> All right, I'll go first then for my leak and snake pick since you guys are slacking. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm going on vacation next week. I'll be in Seattle all week. So we did record this episode early. So I wanted to pick out something that's not related to the week this actually airs. So first I want to mention that I'm a huge fan of Halloween. I've mentioned it on previous episodes that one of my favorite Halloween memories is those vintage vacuum form masks and play suits, you know, mainly done by like Ben Cooper in Collegeville. Well, up for pre-order now, currently, you can go there now at retroagogo.com. Their Series 3 of their giant uh, retro Vactastic plastic mask wall decor are now available for order. And I think this is probably the best series yet. They have masks for the Bride and the Lucky Cat and Mars Attacks and more. And even some of them glow in the dark, which I think is a really cool new feature. Uh, these things are huge. They're about 2 feet tall by 17 inches wide. They're made, you know, they're designed to be hung on your wall but they also come in that cool vintage halloween packaging if you leave it in the packaging it looks really cool just sitting on your shelf they go for 35 dollars plus shipping and again they're up for pre-order now at retroagogo.com and they'll start shipping in september and if giant vacuum form mass on your wall isn't your thing they now have enamel pins of a lot of these masks and what's really cool about them is they come package in the same vintage packaging that their Ghoulsville masks come in. So it's a really nice presentation. Uh, I think there's eight different enamel pins available now. They're uh, up for pre-order at $12 each. So if pins are your thing or, or even the giant wall hung mask, definitely check out RetroAgogo.com. And I also picked up a shirt from TenaciousToys.com this week. I thought it was a pretty cool shirt for all of the, uh, the do-it-yourselfers in the industry. It's, it was a shirt designed by Manly Art. And it's a simple logo that just says, Hecho en mi garaje. And if you don't speak Spanish, what that translates to is made in my garage. And I think that's a pretty cool statement for our, our toy scene. So it's a neat yes. shirt. And if you like it, it's $13. And it's available at TenaciousToys.com. Do they got different shirt colors, Gary? Um, I think right now there's, there's, there's just the one, but I, I do think this is one of those shirts that maybe could have been done through a, uh, a print on, on demand site where we could have had maybe a better selection of shirt styles and shirt colors and stuff like that, because I would definitely have preferred like maybe a darker color with a lighter print color on it. And I really like those, uh, naturally faded kind of screen print kind of a little already looks aged and, and worn a little bit that that acid wash screen printing. So that would have been a nice option, but I think right now it's just in the one screen print and in the one, uh, t-shirt color, but they do have men and women styles. So, but $13, that's a pretty good price for a shirt. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. Yeah. It's not bad at all. All right. Me next. Hit it. So mine is kind of random too, but I was just perusing the Instagrams and um, actually someone was just posting like a fun, you know, we do like us collectors will post fun like mail day shots or recent pickups kind of a thing. And so they had done like this fun little collage of lots of stuff that they had gotten in the mail recently. And in kind of the far back corner of this photo was this, this like dunny lamp. And I was like, what the heck is this? It's like a, a, a lamp in the shape of a dunny. So I was like, okay, I've got to go dig dig and see what this is because I just hadn't seen it before. And this was made by uh, – it was a customized Dunny Lamps made by Jason Forbes. And on uh, Instagram, he's the underscore 
JFO. But uh, apparently he just did a, kind of a second run of his custom Dunny lamps called Luxo. They actually release end of July, but there's still a few available and they're actually really cool. It's like the they are. the the Dunny body is like the base and then he is gone and like literally built like a typical think like the Pixar lamp, right? With like the mm-hmm. flexible yep. arm and then the Dunny head is used to hold the light. Yep. It looks but great. They're cool. I just hadn't seen them before and I really liked them. Yeah, they sold out fast, and he's doing the second run. It's too spendy for me, but if I had the money, I would definitely buy one because they're really cool looking. It's like a practical custom, right? Like, I could totally – I'm like, this is good. Like, I could put this on my bedside table. Yep. And it still be – it's like a good combination. And, like, he's apparently done some upgrades. Like, there's an on and off switch, and the base is removable. And I think he's now added, like, the – you know, the on and off switch on the cord kind of a thing versus having to unplug it. And um, So, I don't know. It just seemed – Pretty cool. Caught well, my eye. It's magnetic as well, I believe. Oh yeah, yeah, I remember reading that. Yeah, it's it's one of those posts actually I saw on Instagram, and it's on my list of things I need to post uh, on Toy Chronicle. I think they were amazing. Uh, I'd I'd love to have one myself. So that's something uh, I'm looking to purchase and also write about. Yeah, definitely. That's a good one. It's it's always intriguing to me to see what people can come up with. The fact that he built a lamp functionality through a three inch toy is just it, for me, mind-boggling because I don't have the skill set to even, like, know where to begin. Like, I actually think that would be our super fun workshop. Like, build your own dunny lamp. Someone needs to make that <laughs> the, the fabrication experience, you know, used to, to make that. That's what's impressive about customizers is, you know, you got all these different wide ranges of skill sets. And, you know, you might get the wood guy and you're going to get the, the guy who knows how to work in metal and, you know, mm-hmm. amazing sculptors. And so that's what's really interesting about the, you know, the custom scene. Yes, and actually that leads into another story if I can talk about it. Please but do. Something that happened this week. So I don't know if you saw the uh, the False Omen project. Yes, yes. <laughs> that was another rivalry epic story as well that kicked <laughs> off. But the guy that wanted to buy a the Omen, you know, the 20-inch Omen, but mm-hmm. they're all sold out and they're, they're quite expensive anyway uh, to buy on the secondary market. He's an engineer. He was like, well, I can make my own. Like, I can go ahead and make it. But then he thought, well, if I can make a 20-inch omen, why can't I make a 5-foot omen? So he went about making his own 5-foot omen. He 3D scanned it and sort of... Like, had it uh, CNC printed out of styrofoam, I think, something like that. Yes, the body was the CNC uh, out of styrofoam and the 3D uh, 3D legs. Uh, But that that kicked off all sorts of fun uh, posting about that. Uh, Again, it was... Uh, the artist had forgot to tell us that he'd got permission from Course to do this. Uh-huh, like he'd, sure. <laughs> he'd showed he'd showed Course at the uh, Rotofugi expedition last last year. He forgot to tell us that piece of information. We didn't think anything of it. I mean, it, he's not looking to sell it. He's he just did it for his own sort of collection to see if he could do it more than anything. And we thought yeah, that's pretty cool. And he sent us all the information, all the pictures it took. It then obviously kicked off that. Uh, People thought it was illegal and all sorts. And... Oh, but uh, <laughs> we got to a resolution eventually, and uh, a lot of people viewed that post. So hopefully it, it gave the artist Egon, I think his name is, uh, E-A-G-O-N, uh-huh. Egon. So hopefully hopefully he got the, the sort of spotlight and recognition that he deserves for actually going ahead and doing something cool. And uh, Kors actually wanted to buy the finished dunny from him, so... Oh, wow. I don't think he's willing to sell it. I think he uh, wants it for himself, but uh, yeah, it was kind of cool. 
No, I think that's cool. Yeah. And I think that's an that's an important lesson for anyone who's doing these customs. If you did something like this, like if you you know did your own pause or you know omen or something like, let the blogs know that you had permission to do so, so you don't get yeah. this outlash of potential drama. You know, like smearing your name throughout the industry. It's it's not what you want. You know, to definitely let people know that you had permission to do so. Yes, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that helps. Yeah, but that was I really like that article because I think it's fun to see kind of the behind the scenes, like clearly it took a lot of time and effort and work and it was cool to see how you had to piece it together. Yeah, Yeah, Yeah. I think we need to see more of that. It'd be great to see people sort of like spending the time detailing the process that they took to make a custom or to make a a finished product and send that to the blogs and let people sort of enjoy that and see the skills that you have because that will hopefully lead to more work as well in the future. Yeah, Yeah. well, I know a lot of people it seems like a lot of people are maybe not creating, you know, blog posts type versions of that. But I mean, I I do feel like there's a lot more people with, you know, stuff like Instagram and Facebook live going out there and kind of working on a piece and let people join and kind of watch them and ask questions. It's cool that a lot of artists are starting to do stuff like that. So you can kind of get a feel for how it's done. Yeah. Jason Freeney does a great job of that. Actually, I think with a few of his pieces that he sort of like goes through the steps and takes pictures and, it's great to see from a well-known artist that it shows what what can be done and how to do it. So it's it's all good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, especially too for like someone like me or just even artists who are just kind of getting going. Like, I'm sure there are things people have learned along the way of valuable lessons. Like, this product is a bad choice, or this. Make sure you do this step because it's gonna be really critical. So, like, being able to have those as a resource when you first start will be super helpful, so that you don't. You can learn from other people's mistakes and hopefully make products that will be good quality and long lasting if you end up selling them. Yeah, to- totally. What about, what about you, Gary? Do you have a leak and stake peak force? Uh, I actually have two. I don't know if I can. Can I do two or can I do yeah. just go with No, no, go. Have at it. Okay, so one of the pieces that we actually covered this week on the, the Tucker Uncle blog, which I absolutely love, and you'll probably see why when I talk about it, uh, was the uh, the Hipster Joe Lumberback by Toy Laxy. Okay. It's a 21 centimeters. I don't know what that is. Uh, Damn it, Gary. I don't know either. <laughs> All right. I'm, Google comes to the rescue when it comes to conversion. 21 centimeters in inches is... And of course, my computer screen freezes. <laughs> well, it's a, it's about now. it's about ten inches tall, including the base, oh, okay. and it's a it's a ten inch lumberjack figure uh, in vinyl, and it is a bearded hipster, tattooed plaid shirt dude, really, and it's it's so so good. He's <laughs> uh, got like tattoos, and he's got like the earplugs. It's he's uh, got like a little pipe, but he's got a good healthy beard, but he's also got. a a great set of <laughs> hair as well. So it, it just looks amazing. And there was three colorways. They had like a color version. Uh, then they had like a black and white version, which I purchased. And then the, uh, they've got like the Serpia sort of version as well. Uh, Serpia? Serpia? I don't know, whatever. Uh, Serpia? Yeah. It's available for pre-order now. It, there's only 300 pieces. So I think it's I think it's 100 pieces of each colorway. Uh, it was around, it was $120, which is about £93 if you're British. And it looks to ship around January time, so it's still a little while off. But it, it looks such an amazing piece, and it'll it'll work well with my bearded collection. I was going to ask if yeah. you have a bearded collection. <laughs> I do. I have a few bearded stuff. I like. I, I, I need more. 
I don't know why we don't see more beard releases, but uh, Ian Hancock's in the UK. There's a few bearded pieces, which I really love. There's a few Macbeth uh, pieces that are bearded, the, the, the production done his stuff. I've got some Daniel Bryan, the wrestler f- figures in there as well. Uh, so, yeah, there's, there's definitely bearded action going on in the uh, Rosansky collection. Now, there was a time that George Gaspar, a uh, you know a regular host on the Martian Toy Hour, he was entering the world's greatest like annual beard contest. Do you remember seeing George with that humongous beard? An epic beard. That was like I know, and now he's got this nicely trimmed manscaped beard. How do you feel about that? I'm never happy with it when a uh, a bearded brother will shave their beard and keep it <laughs> nice and trimmed. But yeah, it was always it was always fun to go back and see the pictures of George with a with a beard. It was, it was good to see. He needs to grow it back. He does. We need to, you know, put that uh, toothpick contest to another challenge. <laughs> we have some great bearded artists, though. Uh, obviously, there's. Uh, I don't know if you guys know Uncle Absinthe in the UK. He does right. like leafy stuff. He's he's an amazing sort of bearded artist. Good friend as well. And then there's uh, Ryan Rutherford. I can think of one. Oh yeah, Ryan. Yeah, he's another bearded brother. Amazing piece of work. And there's Arsin. Is it Arsin? Ars. R S I N. Yes, I don't know how to pronounce it. I forget. Is it? I think it's supposed to be resin, but a lot of people just pronounce it as arson. Arson. Yeah, he's another bearded brother that's uh, great at what he does. So yeah, there's a few bearded boys that uh, maybe the bearded women need to step up. They need to. Uh... <laughs> are, there, are there many bearded women in the industry? <laughs> I don't think I've seen one yet, but. I love that you have a little little spot in your collection dedicated to that. It's just like where I have a little uh, a dog themed collection in in honor of Bailey. So it's fun. It's fun creating little groups. Do you have any Gary uh, Gary Ham? Ah, uh, do I have any like what skinny annoying? No character toys. Do you have any, uh, do you have any ham based ham based uh, customs? Yeah. Oh, I know. You know what? Someone did make me a custom uh, that is holding a ham. Uh, that so we had that in the kitchen, but other than that, no, I don't really. I my family used to collect pigs for a long time, so I'm kind of pigged out. But anytime I do see <laughs> like a really, it. yeah, like you know, it's just when you had the last name Ham, people just think that oh, it's just every year you would get like a you know a pig for Christmas, you know, like my my stepmom collects a lot of these pig things, and your her whole kitchen is just filled with pigs just because of her last name. So uh, no, I don't really have a set thing that I collect. I'm boring like that. And did you have another one, Gary, that you wanted to mention? I did. Uh, this is from a uh, UK artist. This will drop on the 20th of August, so a couple of days before this uh, podcast airs. It's a uh, it's Theresa Mayhem uh, by Chain Gun Art. Uh, I don't know if you're familiar with uh, UK politics right now. I mean, you guys have got a lot going on in your <laughs> politics. We got our politics. hands full. <laughs> you definitely have your hands full. But uh, So we recently had a general election to, to vote in our new prime minister and last year after the brexit vote which was another clusterfuck of of uk politics our old prime minister david cameron beautiful guy decided to quit and theresa may got into power through i don't know what she did but she managed to get into power she then decided uh this year despite saying she'd never do it, is run for another general election. And the idea was she was going to get a stronger sort of hold on the uh, the UK by getting a huge majority, but that didn't happen. So during the uh, the election, she was terrible at what she did uh, in the way she went about 
all her sort of like politic bullshit that they do. Anyway, she never got into. She got back into power, but only only just, and that was due to actually forming a coalition. So she joined forces with uh, the DUP in Northern Ireland. Uh, so my friend uh, Chen Gunnar created a sort of like bootleg Theresa Mayhem figure with a like a proper carded sort of like uh, piece of art as well, and it's just uh, it's an amazing. And so they drop on the 20th of August. They're only, there's only, uh, I can't remember how many he said he did. Was it 10 or maybe 40? I can't remember. But they, they drop for like £40 uh, plus shipping. Uh, and then there's a, a deluxe version, which comes with the original sort of uh, artwork that he did prior to the actual figure being released, uh, which is for £450. So okay. you get the figure of the actual artwork as well, but it's... It's right. got Theresa May on the front on the card. With uh, she said that she'd be happy bringing fox hunting back to try and garner votes. It never it never worked. Uh, but so the Theresa May on the, the the backing card has like a fox of like dangling and bleeding and stuff. But it's uh... oh, okay. <laughs> so that's interesting. Yeah. Like, we're, so speaking about like the politics in the UK and stuff, one thing that's always kind of surprised me about designer toys is. You know, you, Europe has such a strong, like, culture of art and design, and I've always been a little surprised that there's not more designer toy stores or producers or even, like, there's not really even that many artists coming out of, of Europe, and especially when I think of a country like uh, like Germany. They're so, you know, engulfed in art and design, and why isn't designer toys, like, much more prominent in a stronger culture out there in Europe than it currently is? Uh... I don't know. I think it's probably like the economy. Uh, it's not particularly, not particularly great. So it's a bit of a risk actually setting up like your own store. There's a there's a few online stores that do great, like Collecting Display in the UK. Mm-hmm. A great at what they do. There's uh, Minty Fresh over in Netherlands. They they do a great job. Who they've just started making pins as well. Like it's a different sort of like side avenue. Which yeah, it's a, it's a real struggle. I don't know. Uh, I don't know why we don't have that many. I mean, we've got artists. There's there's plenty of UK and European artists sort of doing a, an amazing job. Yeah. But in terms of like producers or like physical gallery sort of stores, is just doesn't exist, and it's a shame. Yeah. We had we had Kid Robot in London at, at one point. Uh, that didn't last, so that's a bit sad. Uh, I would love. I mean, that's one of my dreams is to actually open a gallery sort of like store. I, I'm always jealous of when I come over to. New York and sort of like go to my plastic art and I've never been up to Clutter but uh, we obviously we obviously do a, a fair number of live streams from there with uh, Rob Lamino from uh, For the Masters mm-hmm. and Suburban Vinyl he does a lot of our sort of live streaming so we see a lot of those and it's so I, I'm jealous of like those sort of situations where they have somewhere to go meet and spend time and meet with people and we don't have that so even when we've done shows for like Toy Con and things like that, the rest, like when we don't sell pieces, they're just going to like boxes waiting for somebody to buy. And it'd be great to have like a place where we can put those on display and, and let people see them. And it just, it just isn't available in, yeah. in the UK or Europe. And it sucks. Uh, but yeah, I think it's just a difficult like uh, environment, like for the economy and stuff. It just, Okay. I would love to talk to you more about it, but we're, we're running late on time, so it's probably a pretty heavy topic to get into this late. So how about a lighthearted round of lightning questions then? Yeah, yeah, go for it, yeah. All right, let's do this. You're on the clock. 
what was your most recent toy purchase? Uh, my most recent was the Hipster Joe, uh, the Lumberjack. I bought that this week. Uh, in terms of the most recent toy delivery was the uh, Macinbot, you know, the classic uh, old Macintosh computer. With like, oh yeah, I remember. Yes, very cool. Yeah, that that arrived this week, and that's uh, that's great. We did a, a live stream of that on the uh, Facebook page for us, so that was cool. Okay, very cool. What was your very first designer toy purchase? Uh, purchase I don't recall, but my first designer toys that I ever received was a blind box, and it was the 2009 series. And it was the it was a zombie uh, the I forget what it was called now you know the green sort of oh, I'm looking at it, I can't think who was the artist it was one of those artists that kind of didn't do anything else after uh, oh right I forget who it was but yeah that was the first time that I got a blind box got the smell of vinyl and I was hooked <laughs> that's all it takes yeah. what is the toy that's most prominently displayed in your collection do you think uh well I have a I don't have like one particular toy. I've got a fair amount of John Paul Kaiser. I think I was, I think I've counted the other day. I think there was over 50 pieces in my wow. John Paul Kaiser collection. I've got a few epic pieces. I've got like his, uh, one of his blanks that I uh, received as a gift. Uh, I've got the, you remember the stomp a lot that Kid Robert did with Hook? Yeah. Before yeah. that kind of went sour, that relationship. I got that. I got a uh, custom John Paul Kaiser. Uh, done one of those. That looked great. And then I've got a huge Omen collection as well. I've, I've pretty much got every Omen going. I think there's a few that I still need, but yeah, I've got a huge Cost Toys Omen collection. Awesome. All right, Teresa, you want to take a crack at one? Shoot, no, I'm not prepared. <laughs> <laughs> Come on. You didn't tell me to think of that. Okay, fine. I didn't have to. No, I don't have one. <laughs> oh man. All right, give me the mic back. Um, what was your uh, – is there a white whale toy out there that you've been searching for? Like what's your holy grail toy? Uh, there was a few John Paul Kaiser pieces that took for a while, but I don't think I've got anything – there's uh, – let me think. Well, speaking of John Paul Kaiser, just recently at the Designer Toy Awards, he won the um, – Artist of the Year Award. I think you were the one that maybe presented the award oh, to him. But yeah. when his name was read, like you were super ecstatic. Like you could have not have been happier for John. And that was really cool to see. Well, to start with, I was extremely drunk. That that was probably the re- that was one of the reasons. <laughs> uh, someone told me, maybe it was Teresa, I can't remember. I threw a beer up in the air. Uh, it hit the roof <laughs> and went everywhere. I absolutely lost my shit because, I mean, I, I'm a huge fan of John Paul. Uh, he was one of the reasons why I really got into designer toys like when i came back to the uk uh they, they had a kid robot uh dunny series that he did i forget which series it was now but he had he had a release he had the the gladiator with the mohican uh lost my mind now but they had like an opening dunny opening thing uh signing at the london store and he was there and that was like the first time i met john paul and just fell in love with him i fell in love with his work and that's where the collection sort of like grew. And uh, for the last couple of years, he's been putting out so much good work. Like every, it, it's just insane. Uh, I was, I've been lucky enough to be part of the uh, DTA uh, finalist panel for the last two years. And going through mm-hmm. the, the pieces that are nominated, John Paul had a huge amount of like, he had more than half of the uh, <laughs> uh, nominations. And then he, yeah. he, 
wasn't winning. And I was like, hang on a sec, this is John Paul Kaiser. He's yeah. he's putting out so much good work and it's it's almost like he gets overlooked because it's just it's it's almost expected and for him then for his name to be called out as artist of the year, I was just like, Yes. Yeah. I could have awesome. more than I think I felt stronger him winning than Toy Chronicle winning the best blog. <laughs> awesome. It was just such a release of uh energy and just i was so happy for him i texted him i woke him up as soon as he uh, as soon as he was announced uh obviously it's stupid o'clock in the uk when they uh, announced sure the awards so yeah. uh i think he appreciated being woken up i don't think he expected to win uh so yeah no I, i'm sure he didn't yeah. mind <laughs> so i managed to get the i managed to get both because i obviously we won the best blog and he won the artist and i managed to take both uh awards back home and and they weren't damaged or anything in, in transit so Nice. Yes. So speaking of which, where are your Designer Toy Awards displayed? Uh, so when we first won it in 2015, I had it for like six months and then it came to ToyCon with us and then Andy took it back to his. And then the second one I have displayed next to my uh, TV in the in the uh, the lounge. Okay. So it doesn't, I mean, <laughs> my girlfriend doesn't get the whole ToyCon, the, the whole toy thing. Uh <laughs> Our significant others rarely do. Yeah, so the the living room is almost like out of bounds for the toys. I have most of my collection in our sort of like office area, but the uh, the award sits proudly in the the lounge for everybody to see. Okay. Nice. And I'm pro- okay. The next question. I'm pretty certain I know one of your picks, but if you were to make about a Mount Rushmore of designer toys, yeah, who would be on it? It's four, right? I can pick four. Yeah, pick four. Uh, John Paul would be definitely number one. Yep. I would go with Hook G as number two. That guy is amazing at what he does. He can dance as well, which is always which is always good. <laughs> uh, uh, Very dapper, that guy. He is. Uh, he's British as well, which which helps. I know he's he lived in America for so long that he doesn't feel like he's a Brit, but at heart he's a Geordie. So. True. Uh, who else would sit there? Uh, of the like recent artists that I've started collecting, maybe Quicks, you know, Quicks over in uh, uh, yeah, Filipino yeah. artist, yeah, his his stuff is just knocking out of the park at the minute. It's it's amazing, and I'd probably go with, I'd go with Macbeth. I'd go with Macbeth. Oh, that's a good one. I, yeah, he needs to start making more toys. He needs to start answering my fucking emails. Like that. <laughs> I've emailed him so many times to so like, dude, let's do something. I mean, you're in London, let's do, and he never replies. <laughs> hey, all right. Well, Gary, I think. No, wait, yeah. I got one. All right, go for it. Hey, bearded Gary, choose shave the beard or never drink beer again. Ooh. Oh, look who's coming through in the clutch. <laughs> uh, I think it's time to wrap up this call and let's. <laughs> Uh, oh, I don't know. Hey, I... Uh, choice, and you can't grow the beer back, beer back. So no more beer or no more beard. It's not Gary either way. Either way, you're taking away Gary. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's like it's those hard hitting questions. You got to ask them. <laughs> it is. That's, that is very hard. I'd probably stop. I'd probably give up the beer. But there's so much good beer right now. It's unreal. The UK team <laughs> smashing it. It's it's great. So I'd... I love that you would give up libations if you had to. You like the beard that much. That's awesome. Yeah. 
Well, well, Gary, thanks so much for joining us. It's been a lot of fun talking with you, and congratulations on winning the Designer Toy Award for Best Blog this year, and we look forward to all the uh, updates and upgrades you do to the Toy Chronicle, and uh, look forward to another go at it next year. Yeah, definitely. Why don't you take a- Are you guys going to Decon as well? Uh, we're trying. I think both of us are we're both on the brink. I had a very bad financial month, which puts that in jeopardy. Yeah. Um, and I think Teresa's kind of in the same boat. So we're struck, uh, we're struck we'll lesson, but uh, Bearded Gary, we are both very much trying to figure out a way to go. I'm actually, hope- yeah, I'm, I'm trying to sort through it because I'll be super sad if I can't make it happen. Well, hopefully I'll see you guys there. We're, I'm definitely going. Awesome. There's good flights from London to LA. So I'll be definitely going with a group of guys and hopefully I'll see you guys there. But yeah, it's been great chatting with you guys. Yeah, definitely. Uh, should. Thank you for all the support. It's always great. For sure. Uh, and yeah, so we'll see how the next couple of months go with, with things. But uh, thank you. Yeah, no, definitely. You're <laughs> you're awesome. Thanks for joining. And so why don't I take a brief moment and just remind all the listeners where they can find you. Yeah, so the, the toychronicle.com is our website. And then on Instagram, on Twitter and Facebook, we are at the Toy Chronicle. And yeah, so check us out. Appreciate it. Okay. Ladies next. All right. As usual, if you want to find me, check me out on Instagram. My username is tmhawk24. And I am Gary Ham. You can find me at Gary Ham on Instagram or superham.com. This has been the March Amp Toy Hour. We do this every week, not because we have to, but because we want to. <laughs> That's right. So until our next transmission, we're signing off. Later. Cheers. Bye.